This episode is brought to you by CEP Compression Australia. CEP Compression Apparel gives the user more energy, greater endurance, and enhanced performance during activities. For a discount at CEP, use the following code online, local legends in running. Welcome to the Local Legends in Running podcast, where you hear the stories from local legends of Australian running you simply always want to hear. Today in episode 21, I interview Brisbane race announcer and runner, Joel Murray. Joel describes himself as an average runner at best in primary and early high school. In fact, Joel actually took up swimming and riding during high school due to a growth injury called Osgood-Schlatter syndrome. To his credit, he did start to become a rather stronger runner in the later years of high school, particularly over the shorter distance running events, such as 800 metres. Post high school, due to taking up cycling and swimming in school itself, Joel pursued triathlon along with running. He then moved away as a teacher and enjoyed some success up in far north Queensland for a period of time and returned to Brisbane at around the age of 30. It was during this time that he had a few children and started to commence his career as a multi-sport race announcer, more particularly within running, swimming, cycling and triathlon, amongst many others. Therefore, this interview delves into Joel's experience across running and triathlon as an athlete, and additionally, his career as a race announcer and what he has learned through his experiences with both elite athletes and officials to recreational runners simply crossing that race finish line. So, as always, sit back, relax, and enjoy hearing from race announcer Joel Murray. Made it, yay. Yeah, yeah. Well, welcome officially to the podcast, Joel. Yes. Good, good to be here. It's, uh, Excellent. Yeah. Must say, pretty nervous about this one. Oh, mate, I'm actually, I was thinking the other day, I'm hosting a host today, uh, an MC, announcer, host, and runner in yourself. Uh, You do a few things, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, lots of different things. Um, And and with the announcing thing, that's, it's across all different types of sports as well. So it's not just the the running stuff. So yeah, I I love to to mix it up. And even with Running World, um, one of those guys who can't just run every day, the old body tends to break and it's getting heavier as I get a little bit older so I find yeah I have to mix it up with the the swim and the bike and a bit of gym work and and stuff which is probably prominent with a lot of guys as we age out so yeah it's great and we we will get back into your uh, announcing and running and I know you've done a bit of triathlon over your time too later on in the interview I just wanted to check if you'd actually seen the the marathon yesterday Ellie Kipchoge with a new world record yeah well as as I'm getting older I, I went to to bed i could see everyone doing the updates though and i was like oh two hour marathons a bit bit long to watch i don't, I don't find the marathon the best spectator sport on tv it's sort of just the one camera angle on the guy the whole way but i saw the time and it's just unreal and watch i think the best part was i saw a photo of him on the start line and you could sense the aura around him everyone around him sort of didn't look as in the moment as him and i think he was the one that was to chase and everyone else is just in awe and 
I don't know if anyone will sort of compete against him because they're all just a bit bit scared. Yeah, it's almost um, it's always a good watch when he races, but at the same time, the camera is obviously fixed to yeah. him alone. Well, there was one guy there behind him, but it turns into Kipchoge against the clock. But while, yes. what I was pleased to see was Lisa Waitman, female Australian runner, actually recalled the third fastest uh, women's Australian time in the marathon. Did you see that? Yeah, two twenty four. So. And uh, she's had a big year. She, she was on the Gold Coast doing the marathon. She was on the Sunny Coast running and then also the Com Games as well. So she's got a lot of miles in the legs and uh, it goes to show that sometimes you just got to race more and, and you actually, yeah, you can back it up. So she'd be racing, recovering and then racing again. So totally different. Great way to take her son around the world though. So yeah, I was going to say she not? does have a son and a few of them do uh, in, in, in the uh, women's uh, marathon, a number of them having kids and still succeeding very well, which is great to see. Uh, mate, so just give us some context around where you are right now. Where are you sitting and what's like? What's your day look like today on a Monday? Yeah, so I, uh, I work from home during the week these days. So I, I'm, a, I'm a data guy, so work in my little cave and then, so today's pretty much meetings on, on the old teams, as, as everyone is at work from home sort of became an option with COVID coming in. So the kids are on school holidays. I'm in Bris Vegas and I live near the airport out at Brisbane as well, out, out at Nunda. So a lot of my runs are sort of escaping out onto the wetlands where lots of mosquitoes, lots of bugs and a few black snakes at the moment as well as we come into spring and pretty much running anywhere that there's no magpies coming to sweep us at the moment. So it's running scared in, in Brisbane and Queensland and Southeast Queensland. At the moment. <laughs> but um, the kids have been sent to their rooms. It's like, be quiet. Dad's going to be recorded for a little bit. So just chill out. But um, no, I've got, got a good life. I, I've, yeah. Dad of two and get to be there for the kids during the week every day. So something means a lot to me. Yeah, we're definitely not the first parent on here who struggled the, the, the podcast with kids yeah. in the background. So good luck. But I, I think yours is a bit older too. Oh, so I know a bit older. They're all right. They're, they're a bit trained. more responsible. Yeah. yeah. So mate, um, as, as the previous interviews have run, if you've uh, heard a few, I don't know, but basically I'll run through a few things about you. You've told us a few things already, which is great. Makes it a bit easier. And then we get into your running PBs and achievements and then your running story. Uh, but what it's going to lead us to is then your career in race announcing. And as an MC, which I'm very interested to hear about. That'll sound okay. Oh, it sounds fine, mate. Lock, lock us in. Fantastic. Hey, I want Plenty to start. stories. Yeah. <laughs> I want to start with a story actually about you and I because we met, it must have been about four years ago at a UQ Twilight run. Do you recall that day at all? Uh, we met a few times. I, I couldn't remember if our first meeting was down at Kedbrook Brook doing a park run. Nah, no. Nah. We've had a few tussles, but yeah, the old twilights were always fun. You're always setting up your, your tent. And I think that day I was, um, I was very hands-on MC where I was doing all the, setting up all the signage as well. Yeah, as, I swear you were setting up, the yeah. Microphone. I was. <laughs> we, um, we were out at UQ and they had a bunch of engineering students. And this is an, an eye-opener to engineering students for me is, they were volunteering, doing their volunteer hours and they didn't know how to use zip ties. And I was like, you guys are engineers. You're going to design buildings, but you can't use a zip tie. So they actually couldn't use zip ties. So I had to redo all the signage on the finish shoot for, for that event, <laughs> which is 100 metres of signage before I jumped on a mic. So yeah, that was a fun, fun day out. And I think I had to go and set up the start line then after that. Yeah, well, if my date's correct, I think it was 2019, but I was setting up the tent for my former running group, the West End yep. Running Group with my wife. 
And I do recall you sort of stumbling through that finishing shoot, fixing yeah. up a few things, just sort of wondering who this guy was. And I think the whole the whole idea of this interview is to is to find out about that guy in the background who's calling races uh, all the time around Brisbane and various uh, areas. But yeah, we we got into a conversation pretty quickly about running, and I I just recall the wife quickly after that, just like acknowledging the fact that we got along so well and 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 spoke very quickly about running itself and and the rest was history i think it did lead into the kedron park run with a few yeah. uh different runoffs there a few tussles you're a lot fitter than me these days so it's it's good well your sensory your pb and it looks a bit quicker than mine so we'll get get yeah, to that yeah. uh, That's shortly a few years as well. ago yeah <laughs> uh so mate um you said you're living on the north side there. Happy to, to sort of narrow that down to a suburb, north side of Brisbane. Yeah, yeah, Nunder at the moment. So it is Nunder, yeah. Nunder, yep. Yeah, so you're pretty close to that crit track there in Nunder? Yeah, yeah. So get down there. Like this afternoon, the plan is to take the kids down there and, and enjoy the crit track. So, yeah, it's a nice little hub. Uh, lots of activity down here. So you're straight onto the, the bikeway out along the wetlands and out to Shawncliffe. Uh, and then, yeah, you've got the crit track if you're into your bike riding, the two-wheel riding as well. So nice and safe and, and great with the kids. So it's a good little spot. Hey, tell me, have you ever run on the crit track itself as opposed to cycling? No. I, I've announced events on the crit track, but I haven't run on the crit track as such. So uh, I don't want to be that guy running on the crit track when you shouldn't <laughs> be running on the crit track. Like, it's okay when it's... A, closed down for an event but i've seen a few guys dodging the cyclists out there and yeah i don't, i might get recognized and get a spray running slow to start with so i've definitely i've spot. definitely done it before it was pissing down rain no yeah, one's on the track right. it was late at night almost pitch black and yeah. uh, i was banging a few laps out on there it was pretty uh, euphoric in, in the in the yeah. full-on rain but um yeah it's well, designed for cycling well, the, the worst part about it is I had one afternoon cycling and it was a, the sun was going down. It was like a horror movie. It was like snakes on a plane. And I went around the S-Bends and saw one snake and then I came around on my next lap and I saw another snake in another spot. And then I saw a fourth snake and a fifth snake and I said, no, nah, I'm out. Like They were just coming <laughs> out. And it's every time you came around a bend, there was a snake in a different spot. And I was like, no, nah, there's too much going on. And this time of year, right on that that dusk and dawn is when they're all coming out of the nesting. So there's a lot of red belly black snakes and stuff getting around at the moment. Um, I wouldn't be running too close to the grass where you see a few guys. I, I sort of like to be a beater off the, the <laughs> edges and that's for a reason. Uh, sounds um safe way to do it. Hey, um, you mentioned earlier about your kids. You're a, you're a family man, you're a father and you've got a partner, don't you as well? Yeah, yeah. So I've got... Um, Two kids, and uh, one's 10, uh, and the other one's going on to 12. So he'll be going to high school next year. But yeah, family man, I've, I've got a, a partner. So not the mother of the children, but I've got my, my children full time. So one of those rare dads who has 100% custody and uh, the ex-wife definitely not in the picture at all. So oh, okay. yeah, yeah, juggling all of that. So that's, uh, yeah, it's been full on for the kids and I. So that's it's sort of changed the way I look at a, a lot of events. It's 80% of the events, probably 80 to 90%. I take my partner and my kids and they all compete in those events as well. So they're not sporty in any way, but it, they love the bling. They love the finish line medals. So if I can go out to things and, and take them with me, that's a tick in the box. If they can't come with me, that that's when I start to go, Oh, I'm not so sure this is an event for me. So 
Yeah, and it seems that she's into her uh, fitness as well, running and cycling here and there. Does that work well with the family yeah. too? I'm sure you have, you know, park run days out and different things like that. Yeah, Claire's, um, she wins pretty much every event we go to. So she won the, the half at Yapoon for the running festival. And also we did a run at Beeler Wheeler only a couple of weeks ago and that she, she took that out, beat all the boys as well. So she, she trains hard and that's the only reason I, I have to run hard is to try and beat her because she, She's a bit of a gun, so represented Australia in indoor netball and stuff. So got that competitive mongrel spirit and doesn't want to let the boys beat her. So yeah, it's always fun with us. So we do lots of training together. It's, it's our time together. It's good. Yeah. So if, if you run solo, what time of the day would you head out? Uh, so for me, I, I actually like being really flexible. So work from home, I, I see it as playtime. So I'll, I'll go out, do the longer stuff in the morning, but if I can get out during lunchtime, I'll do it. So I'll go out at 12 o'clock to one o'clock and summer will be 30 degrees, winter it'll still only be 10, um, but I'll, I'll do that. And then in the afternoons, uh, if we haven't absolutely cooked ourselves during the day, it's always great to get out of the desk and go for a jog with the family. So the kids are on the bikes and, and we're out there for a jog in the afternoon. So We'll try and do two to three sessions a day. It's just they're not long sessions. They're just the short ones. And that's that multi-sport sort of background that we've got. But I see it as when I was a kid at school or, or a teacher, I was a PE teacher back in the day. At lunchtimes, I'd go and do a duty and kick the footy around with the kids at lunchtime and play. And that's how I try to live my life now. It's like you've got to get outside, have a play, keep fit and healthy. And then the day's better. You're more productive in the afternoon when you're back at the office, back at the computer screens i've got three screens set up around me right yeah. now <laughs> and all the excels and stuff over here so yeah well, i've got one here i'm a teacher really at home at home at the moment yeah. on school holiday so i've got my screen out but um what about away from running mate and uh announcing and working and uh am i right in saying that you've got two jobs then you, you're into you mentioned data earlier but then the emceeing and announcing yeah yeah so uh I was formerly a teacher, so I started out like yourself, and I was just talking on an assembly, and I had a broken collarbone, so I couldn't couldn't actually compete in an Ironman up in Cairns, and that's how I got started into the MC work. So I was doing that, but MCing got to the stage where I couldn't take so many days off work, and teaching, as you know, isn't very flexible, and yeah. you let your students down <laughs> if you're not there. They don't like the relief teachers, and I was primary school, so it was even more guilt from the kids. Um, where now I've got a job where it's really flexible. I can take RDOs, also take leave as well. And my holidays aren't locked in. So if I want to take holidays to go and announce, I can do that. So I work for a not-for-profit um, in the specialist disability accommodation space. So looking at housing people with disabilities and making sure they have long-term housing options. So that's my, my weekday job in the cave. Um, and then I get peopled out on the weekend. So I announce... Yeah, running events, trail running, cycling, um, triathlon, stair climbs, uh, all different sorts of fundraisers. So I do a lot of everything and I, I get bored if it's one type of thing. Mm. So I really like variety and that's, yeah, no matter what event it is, it's got the same principles to it. So Yeah, so away from fathering and, and keeping fit and doing all that stuff, anything else you can squeeze in the week or is time pretty poor then? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've gone back to loving my rugby league. I'm a I'm a, a Norse Devils supporter. We just took out the, the grand the final for the Queensland Cup. So I went and watched that at the Dolphin Oval out there at Morton Bay Daly Stadium. So 
I do love my rugby league. My son's just started playing as well. So that's only 400 metres away. We go and go to training. So helping out with the team, did a little bit of voluntary coaching there. So, mate, the kids are the big focus for me, giving them the best chances in life. And I guess all the, all the other stuff is just a bit of fun. But I, I find I can't just look at running all day. I can't just look at cycling and, and results and immerse myself in that. I, as a, as an Ironman age grouper, I, I went through that and you realize that you come after an event, you've got no friends left, you're burnt out, you, you're tired and grumpy and, and you sort of, you, you've got nothing else to talk about. People don't want to talk about heart rates every day with you if they're not into it themselves. So if you want to keep your friends, you've got to keep a few things in, in the bag to talk about. Mate, we're going to get into your uh, running PBs and achievements, eh? Yep, go for, go for it. They're all, they're all very dated. <laughs> yeah, we'll get a bit of a story behind each of them after I yeah. call them out. So for the 5K, 1647. For 10K, you haven't sent one through, so we'll get back to that. The half, an hour 21. And the marathon, just over three hours in is 301. So just give some background on the year you actually recorded those times and location, any story behind them. Yeah, so I... um. The, the six, 1647, I think it was, so sub-17. So that was, uh, I just moved from Cairns down to Brisbane. So I just came off Cairns where I was undefeated over the, that sprint distance, the hour of power, I like to call it. So I was yeah. running off the bike at 1730 um, every race. Like I was running really, really well. Uh, and then I was training with a lot of the great juniors out at the Redcliffe Tri Club. So a lot of them went to the QAS then for triathlon and were sort of, up and coming little superstars. So running with those guys where it's that short interval, real speedy, that's where I was able to get down under 17. So I'm about six foot two, wouldn't say I was quick as leg speed um, going through that. So that, that was that one that was out at Sandgate. So we used to run towards Eventide back in those days. So, uh, and, and back, so I was very quick, but then after that period of time, I took on another Ironman. So the leg speed went, uh, and that's where I got slow. So that's why there's this big gap of you do Ironman, then I broke my collarbone. So then you're trying to get your fitness back. But just doing Ironman just takes all the speed out. Like you're concentrating on those slow, slow grinding on, on the bike. It's a lot of strength through the hips, but your run suffers. Like your cadence is so slow, it's not, not great at all. So haven't been able to get down to those times for a long time. Yeah, I think you um a few years later dropped down to sort of that mid eighteen level yeah. where where you met me when I was um coming back to it a bit too, and we had a few good runoffs around eighteen to eighteen thirty. What would you run these yeah. days if you did a five k so, time trial? Yeah, so right now I'd be able to run around that, so yeah. eighteen thirty to eighteen. I'd, yeah. I'd be okay to go out and do that. So again, I'm training for the Ham- Hamilton Island Triathlon at the moment, so that's in November, and it's it's a very hilly course, so doing a lots of intervals on a Friday morning, uh, lots of speed stuff. So I can I do some surging under three minute pace, like the speeds there, it's just trying to hold it. So I'm quite heavy at the moment. So around 86 to 88 kilos. Whereas when I run well, I'm down to 80. So eight kilos just has you gassed when you're trying to hold on. So strong, but not fast at the moment, but yeah, I'd be able to whack out an 1830. Okay. Yeah. Great. Hey, what would your height be about meter 80? Five, six? Yeah, 
Yes, exactly. So one yep. one eighty. Well, it's one eighty seven. I think when I was eighteen, but I feel like I shrunk a little bit. So it's about one eighty five, one eighty six now. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Hey, what about the ten k? What's the go with that? So the ten k, because I went from sort of running. So when I did that one twenty one, I was just running. So I came off as an eight hundred meter runner. Uh, where I was running two minutes, couldn't break two minutes to save myself, even falling over the line. Uh, and then went into some higher volume with Chris Gale when he was um, training some athletes and we were doing the big long run. So I did it at 121. Didn't have much volume around me. And then I went into triathlon. So I went with the goal of trying to qualify for an Ironman. So once I hit that, I moved also to Cairns and there was no 10K races really in Cairns. There was no Cairns running festival or anything like there is now. So Cairns was very much just the Cairns road runners. And if you're into that, you did that. But that season was at the same time as triathlon season. Um, and our off season was their race season in summer. So there was no fast times coming out of Cairns. And it's not really something I've yeah, wanted to do as a fast 10 yet. I won't say no to it, but at the moment I was just like, ah, oh, I float around. I like doing different things. And then, yeah, marathon. Like I didn't do my first solo marathon until after I'd done three Ironmans. So that was off nothing more than a long run of 25K. Just did all my runs at 4.30 pace, 4.15 pace. And that's what I averaged for the, the marathon was mm. 4.15. Did a toilet stop and did a 3.01. So um, if I'd known I was so close to three hours, I probably wouldn't have done a <laughs> toilet stop. So was, it, was, was it avoidable? Was it an avoidable uh, toilet uh, stop? I was high-fiving kids. I was zigzagging off course to throw rubbish in the, in the bin. Like I wasn't I, – I race how I like to announce, and that's just <clears> – <throat> you're there to celebrate. Race day is like a, a celebration. Uh, training is, is a droll. Like it, that's hard. Backing up day after day. No one's there to cheer you on. People at home might give you the guilts for being out there. Like you, And you and, – I find for me, I want to be home. If I know the kids are going to be awake, I want to be home for their waking up. So, yeah, it's just a, it was a party day. The kids were on the sidelines and just high fives and lots of smiles for the for the cameras. So I wasn't too worried about pace, but I'll, I'd like to beat three hours now. Yeah. So, mate, tell me, as a as someone who dabbles in triathlon, you know how often the five k in a sprint distance um so to speak is often a bit short like why is that the case and is it and do you think are you actually able to claim the 5k in a triathlon as a 5k pb considering that it's like that sometimes uh i i wouldn't claim it as a 5k pb personally uh, i'm a bit old school so i like old school events where it's a bit tough and when i did iron man you had to qualify for it through the half Ironman series. So you go and qualify, you earn your spot to even be on the start line for an Ironman where, where now it's just whoever's got the biggest bank balance can pay the entry fees. You don't have to train. And that's why you're seeing a lot of drafting and events in some of those bigger events because you don't need to earn your spot there um, that it used to be. So it's very different. And it used to be hilly. So Port Mac was a really hilly course. You had to go over all the hills on the way out and all the hills on the way back on the run. Now it's only one hill. So I'm finding courses are getting easier and they're also getting a little bit short in some places as well. So they're selling it. So like I saw an event on the weekend, they said it was a 6K run. It was a 5.3K run. That. People are yeah. claiming 6K PBs. <laughs> Personally, it, it was a 5K course. All your data's on Strava. All your mates can see it. 
I wouldn't be claiming a personal best. You can claim the course personal best if the course is the same, but I wouldn't claim any PBs for my run from a triathlon ever. So how do they measure them then? Uh, loosely. It, it depends on your event director. The, yeah. Some event directors are, are really old school as well, and they will say if it's um, it has to be longer, like the distance are a bit longer, um, where others, it's about entries, and it's about making people feel like they get PB sometimes. So it's it defend, depends really on, on your event director. You don't get it too much in running because it's you get a lot of complaints if it's off. But even I'm seeing cycling legs like the sunny coast event that was only two weeks ago it's supposed to be a 90k bike ride and it was 84k on everyone's wow. starter and everyone's claiming personal best and i thought it was 6k short like that's 12 minutes straight away plus there was a lot of drafting so um yeah i personally it, it's on strava you can't hide from it but it makes me yeah. wonder about personal best in the old days when we didn't have garmin watches so yeah was it really yeah, and triathlon courses vary so much. Like they're so contextual, yeah. right? Like currents yeah. in the water and hills on the bike. And then obviously yeah. uh, at times the length's being a bit short. Yeah, and I think it's um it should be about your experience. It's triathlon when, when I started was everyone's in bungee smugglers and it costs $200 for all your gear. Like you got your bike off the trading post. Um, you wore budgies. You had a pair of shoes that were on the sales rack at Amart All Sports and you had a pair of goggles that was from wherever, like you borrowed them from someone and a bathing cap, you, you loathe to wear it, but you just wore it. So um, very different to now where it's $400 just for your costume that you wear, $300 for your set of shoes, $10,000 for your bike. Uh, it's gotten a bit, bit silly, I think, and attracted some different types of people. So it, but it used to be old school, tough boys, tough course, and it was you against the course. Where now it's everyone wants the data, and it's about personal bests and stuff. But it's not really. I think it's more the coaching sometimes saying, "Oh, such and such got a personal best, so look how good a coach I am." Yeah, um, yeah, okay, yeah. I did use to do a bit think, of. I don't on. always think yeah. it's the. I don't always think it's the athlete sometimes. Yeah, well, uh, I think it's one of the reasons why I just run now is the financial. The cost yes. of uh, competing in triathlon, along with the logistics as a father, balancing that yes. all through the week. So running works nicely for me. Um, speaking of triathlon, let's get to, into some of these achievements for you. So three times Ironman finisher, Kokoda Challenge at the Gold Coast there. You were third. Uh, what year was that? Uh, that, would, that was the year of the fires. So they actually made, it was 100K that year, and it was the toughest part of the course. Um, got roped into it in the last minute. No training, just died. And I was sick on, on antibiotics as well on the race day. So it was... Was that around 2019? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. State Aquathon champion, Brutal. 2000. Is Aquathon, yes. I always mix these up, Biathlon and Aquathon are the two names, aren't they? Yeah, so a, 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 the Aquathon was a, a, a run, swim, run. And yeah, there's there's one other person in it back then. And he got dragged out in the swim. So I got, I got the gold medal state champion. I don't, don't tell too many about that. So that's a secret. <laughs> 22 years ago. You must have been yes. about, about two years back old. In, yeah, back in high school, mate. <laughs> Turning 40 this year. Getting, getting there. Kids, and my daughter said, Dad, you're getting grey hair. And I said, I have for years. Like, come on. <laughs> well, at least she hasn't noticed for a while. Yeah, I mustn't bend over enough. <laughs> 
And um, Far North Queensland Games Tri Champ 2011, uh, what, 11 years ago? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, all, all of that in Far North Queensland, like I, I, I really enjoyed my time up there. Regional racing is like real tough racing. Um, but I had a, I was a PE teacher and I got told by other PE teachers in the regions that kids up here can't compete against kids in Southeast Queensland. And I said, no, they just don't, you're just not coaching them. You just give them the opportunities and they'll do it. And so I ended up setting up a, a little training group of juniors and we grew the team from four to almost 20 within uh, six months and also got kids into the Queensland team to, and they came fourth at nationals. So you can do it. And by coaching, you had to walk the talk. So I started taking on the principles that I was coaching the kids and then the results came. So yeah, plenty, plenty of good ones too. Yeah, definitely. Hey, uh, next, next on here is, um, yeah, I guess this details you run up there two seasons unbeaten in Cairns in the triathlon. So obviously you had a bit of fun and success in a, in a smaller area, but um, obviously we're doing pretty well at the time. Yeah, it was, it was good. I guess the, I put on the, the list, the, the Baldwin triathlon being my favorite one. And that, the, that was the biggest win because for me, I came sixth the year before, went away, said, no, I'm going to win this. And um, I trained really hard and focused on just that one race. But it's, it's every athlete from Mackay, Townsville and Cairns would come together. So it was more of a, a regional race than what that FNQ championship race was which was more predominantly cans athletes so um they they breed them tough up there and, and where we're swimming and training was crocodile infested places <laughs> and confirmed crocodile sightings wow. as well so you swam really fast i'm not a swimmer um yeah and i was just waiting for either a bull shark a tiger shark or a crocodile to bite my rib cage or something. So I was always swimming as fast as I could. The The stroke rate has never been so fast. Um, but yeah, definitely a great time. Great to meet all the guys up there. And I still get to see them at all these different races now. Oh, that's great. Hey, let's get into this um, running slash, uh, in this occasion, triathlon story. Happy to talk about your upbringing and what uh, has led to you being the person you are today. So if we went back to you as a child now, Joel, what, what things can you think of that led uh, to you uh, as we speak? Yeah, well, I always wanted to be a rugby league player. Like my dream was to be a professional <laughs> rugby league player. But I was, I think I remember one day my dad was in the car with me and I, I was a good defensive player. I could tackle people, but I was built like a greyhound. I was just a skinny thing. I had technique, but but that was it. Um, when I turned around 12, 13, I got Osgood Slatter's disease. So my knees would swell up so bad. Um, and, and for those that don't know, it's, it's the tendon underneath your kneecap. It doesn't stretch enough and it actually swells up. But the swelling was so bad, I, I got to the stage where I could play a game and then I'd have to have a week off and then I'd play a game and have a week off. So I had to give footy away when I was 13. And I thought, I, I want to stay fit. And you got, I got bullied a little bit because I could, I ran funny because my knees were straight. I looked like Forrest Gump when he had the, the splints on. So I copped it and being that start of high school age as well, year eight, year nine, that it sort of gets to you a little bit, but I'd go out and run um, in my lunch hours at Kedron State High School in, in the area that I still live now. And 
I just thought I'll, I'll, I'm going to train and I ended up, I won the school 800 meters, went to districts, came second and got through the regionals where we compete against Nudgee College and, and all the big schools in Brisbane and sort of, well, I would qualify for the final, but I wouldn't go any, any further, but that gave me confidence then to get into running. And then because of my issues with my knees, I took up swimming as well to, to help. Um, so that was a good cross training. And then I also I always loved riding my bike. That was my commute to school. So would ride my bike as well. So I had no coach uh, when I did my first triathlon around 15, uh, but I just loved it. It was a different sport. The sport was on television back in those days. There was the St. George triathlon series. So you'd watch the surf lifesaving with Trevor Hendy and Guy Andrews and Guy Leach battle it out. And then you'd watch the triathlon stuff with Brad Bevan, who's from up in the Cairns area. Um, and you watch these guys and I was just like, wow, that's amazing. So I'd run around the street as a kid in my togs and try and replicate what these guys were doing. And it just looked so tough. So when I got to do the first try, I came last. I was wearing budgie smugglers. My dad thought I was weird because I shaved my legs. And I said, dad, it's either that or have sideburns. Like I'm not that hairy on the, the upper thigh. So it sort of shows. Um, and yeah, it's from there, you just go, this is really hard. and you sort of get into cross country and build confidence. So I think 1999, year 11, I was the sports person of the year at Kedron. Uh, and that was from doing what I could in swimming and, and cycling and running was never, never great, but always just that kid that tried hard. Uh, then 2000, I sort of, yeah, state aquathon championship. And I actually did better in my, my running races, but always had issues with knees. So even to this day, I find it hard to run back to back days because I don't, didn't have that base as a younger guy where I could run every day. Uh, even lunchtimes, I could run one lunchtime, but then the next lunchtime I'd have to have off. I couldn't go and play with my mates. So you'd be sitting under the library and, and chatting or shooting hoops or something else. So that sort of, it, it's shown me how much as, as a kid in those formative years though, you set up how you can then train later in life and trying to, train back to back each day which is why i'll get out and have a lunch run or i'll get out when i can doing shorter sessions trying to build that back-to-back -back training is probably the hardest part for me without breaking so yeah. like at the moment i can't touch my kneecaps to save myself because i'm trying to get back on the bike the hammies aren't strong enough really tight through the lower back um quads then dominate so it's a constant balance but i find that's also the most enjoyable part of how can I get myself fit and, and balance everything? Like it, it's that challenge where you hear some people that get injured and they go, Oh, it's too hard. I'm too old. I can't do it anymore. It's like, nah, like at events, you get inspired by the 80 year old completing a marathon. And yeah, just exactly. go, oh, you can never give up. Like there's always tomorrow, like until you're dead, why not have a go? Hey, yeah. So did you swim as a, as a youngster then, like through year one, year so, two sort of an age or was no. it literally you took it up late in, in high school? Yeah. Yeah. So I was, oh, I don't want to swear, but one of the worst swimmers you've seen, like I look like a dog drowning. I was really bad. I think I st started at 15, which is way too late. So, and as a runner, you've got such a, a like bone density. So if I was to do the starfish, um, floating exercise on the pool I just sink uh, and I sit below the water when I'm swimming so you're really plowing through whereas the actual swimmers the bone density isn't 
as fierce. So they float on top of the water. So the, the whole, my body makeup, I'm very dense. I've had some studies done where I volunteered for unis and they're like, mate, your bones are like steel. So I only had the one bone break, but um, and that was coming off a bike at 60K an hour. But other than that, yeah, very dense, not a great swimmer. The legs sink. So sort of, yeah, that's, I, I treat as everyone gets a head start. And, and when you get on land, you start cycling and running. That's when it starts for me. And that's why I still love to run. Yeah, it's yeah. always been my go back to. Yeah. So who, who was the lucky man or lady to coach you in the swimming pool at that age or even after school? Who who'd you see? To uh, we had a, a, a gentleman, Mr. McDonald. So he actually was one of the dolphins. Um, and he was formerly from the school. So it was at Zulmi Estate School Swim Club. I reckon we had about 10 kids. And that's where I went to primary school. So I, I can thank Zulmia for the reason that I've got a bit of speed. I, I don't know if people know Brisbane, but Zulmia was quite a rough suburb. And I had to often commute through the train station area. And there's often people chasing you with um, implements trying to, trying to get you. So uh, you ran away pretty quick and yeah, try to, try to stay safe. So it was, I'm not a fighter. I'm definitely a runner. Uh, so yeah, that's, yeah, and isn't it an advantage too? Like if you learn swimming from young age for triathlon, yes, and it's okay. Yes. It's okay in those events where there's no drafting, and you, you know you can be out there for a bit and get get on the bike quickly. But when you've, if you want to compete and sort of latch onto the back of those bikes in the drafting races, your swim's got to be pretty good, hey? Yes, and like I'll never be a great triathlete. Like we'll just, I'm in the second or third pack, and I've got a lot of work to do. So that's. It's probably the reason that I've loved running and trying to get the times down and running because you know that your your swim is so poor. Like I'm two minutes slower over 750 meters compared to the top swimmers. So that's two minutes that I've got to find on the bike and also on the run. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So then life after school, did you move away from Brisbane at all? Um, you obviously spoke about times in, in time in Cairns. Was that later on in life? Yeah, so I graduated uni. I went to uni in Brisbane um, and then I played rugby Union, played touch footy, played rugby league while I was at university. Loved it. Like, loved that team mentality. So I sort of went away from running as much. Did a little bit of running with the Ashgrove Rangers. John yeah, Rangers. the coach out there. So um, I, I can thank John for the technical stuff that I talk about when I'm commentating now. All comes from what he taught me through probably two seasons with him doing sort of some races and he, he's very much a, a low volume, build the chassis, build your technique and then increase your volume. But I never built the technique enough to build volume with him. And so it was always frustrating as you're reaching 21 and you've only got a volume of 20K a week and you want to do middle distance running. Like it's not, not enough to get you competitive. So that sort of was my reason for sort of moving away from that style of racing. But yeah, great technique coach understanding the way the muscles fire off and, and efficiency he, he was very very good coach and still is are they still around the ranges or have they yeah yeah johnny purcell's still out there running yeah. in a lot of masters events and yeah it's, it's great to see I, I love seeing the the old guys um donny wallace was always a, a guy that i i just loved like he was top 10 at comrades a couple of times and Hearing stories from those old guys, uh, Ronnie Peters is another one. They just ran with, they grit their teeth and just run. Um, 
but yeah, definitely. If you ever get to chat to Donny Wallace, he he's got some stories about running and what yeah, it's like. Yeah, his name's come up a few times. It'd be handy. He's to an get him absolute. On. Yeah, he, um, he, he still is out there. So he does all the the course marking for most of the the IAAF courses in Queensland. So he's a man out there at um, the Gold Coast Marathon on the on the little scooter, scooting out there, making sure the course is fine, and giving us the all clear to, to get the get the troops out there. Yeah, my dad took me out to a Rangers session or two years ago as a kid. Uh, but I recall the Ashgrove Rangers actually being in the suburbs of Gap. Is that correct? Yes, it is. <laughs> a bit yes. like the you know, Ashgrove golf course is in the Gap. The Ashgrove yeah, Rangers so, was also in the Gap. Yeah, and there's um, a couple of good runners were out there at the time with me. So Dan Noonan still runs well when I've seen him yep. back out there running. And Glenn Bartrop. Um, I don't know if you heard of him, but he was in the Australian triathlon team at the time. And I would feel so happy when I'd beat him in a training session, which was always when he was coming back from a, some injury. But then he would get, I, I've never seen someone get so fit so quickly. Three weeks later, you'd be like a K off the back of him. Uh, and that guy was, yeah, the epitome. I, I, I never understood how he could swim, bike and run because at that stage, I was just a runner and couldn't even fit that in. So with going to the pub and trying to do karaoke and all that other fun stuff. So yeah, inspiring to see a guy around the twenties giving up all of that social life stuff to focus on, on his craft. Yeah. So then what about 20 years of age to 30, and this is almost pre park run time, isn't it for you between the age of 20 to 30, what was uh, the running and triathlon world giving to you, Joel, that time? Yeah. So I, I started teaching out at Eats Hill uh, state school and that would have been, 2005 I graduated from from uni and then fuel prices went up to over a dollar uh so I bought a bicycle <laughs> and I was like oh I might get back into triathlon um and I started swimming with the group someone wanted a swimmer for the team swimming's not my thing but the the group I was swimming with were at the inaugural pool which is this tiny little bath um, it had rocky sides and you used and the rope, lane ropes were just a piece of rope with a couple of floaties on it. So you used to punch each other's knuckles. It was like the swim that you experience in a triathlon swim <laughs> start every yeah. session. Um, and Richard Armstrong was my coach there and he was, he was in the army. He was a captain in the army with the communications. Uh, he was phenomenal. He was really quiet. So if you didn't ask him the question, he didn't tell you anything. He taught me about efficiency more than anything so um he taught me yeah about being patient and efficient which was not my forte when you're coming from 800 meters where it was aggressive out mm. of the blocks you want to hold speed then you want to kick home that's not how triathlon really works you do that you blow up and you, you find it's a long way to get home in the longer distance stuff but um I, yeah it has got me into triathlon i did two years there with them then he went to Afghanistan and I ended up at the same time transferring up to War East State School in far North Queensland, just, just out of Cairns. So that I did six years up there, um, met my, my children's mum up there. She had a, a little one-year-old at the time. So I became at 25, I think she, she came up and I became an instant dad to, to this little girl that wasn't, wasn't my biological mm. Um, child so I sort of fathered a child through those years so that became a bit of a focus and then the discussions in the with the other PE teachers up there were like oh no we don't do this um, 
we, we can't compete. So I ended up, I set a lot of platforms. So in the school that I was teaching at was Warri, it's a thousand kids and it wasn't competitive. And the next year, we for the, all the time I was there, we became undefeated in cross country. We won all the track and field championships. We just changed. And that was from my coaching philosophy with kids was about interval training because you can't build endurance really till you're 15, 16. So for me, it was all about short intervals. All the other PE teachers in primary schools will go, oh, let's run around Australia. Let's go and see how many laps you can do in 20 minutes. And the kids go and dawdle around, but they're running really slow. And all that's going to teach a child to do is run slow. So my interval training was let's do like eight 200s on a time cycle. And I would run out there in front and set the pace for the kids and, and show them how to run. And then other parents would come that were in the community. And we end up, all the kids would rock up at this low socioeconomic still of 90, 90% low socioeconomic. But we had this running squad of 80 kids that would rock up at 7.30 in the morning and train for 45 minutes in this very structured training environment. We did it three times a week and they all just blossomed and made districts teams and did really well. So did that and then um, took the Peninsula kids away and also went into my triathlon stuff when sort of that became uh, a coaching mechanism for kids from Weeper right down to... Um, yeah, down to Tully, I had kids coming and traveling to train. So what it did though, it it got other coaches looking. So now Ironman is in Cairns. Coaches now look at it. The the same principal that said to me, we can't compete, has a triathlon program in the school where they actually have their own triathlon suits and their own uniforms. So it sort of fostered people to go, oh, juniors actually can do it. Like we can compete because the kids up there are old school. They're riding their bike between each other's houses there's no stranger danger mm. in the same way there are a lot of strange people but they're still playing in the streets they're out there till the sun the lights come on and then they go home for dinner and it's like brisbane was in the the 80s and early 90s that's what Cairns was still like when i was there and i loved it but then 30 came and i transferred back down and at that stage i had my two kids so three kids turned 30 um and yeah, moved back to the big smoke and things were very different down there, up there. Lots of opportunities, lots of people green light things because you're doing it for the kids. Down yeah, here, yeah. I found lots of red tape, lots of people. <laughs> no, you can't do that. Um, or they don't want to get you the resources that you need because to them, it's not a focus. It's wasn't right. So I found schools down here in Brisbane, a lot of them, it's about reading and writing. Yes, it is. But the, the top 5%, that misbehave in your classroom are the ones that really struggle when they go from an anaerobic system to the aerobic system. And so I'll do tests with the kids, do the beep test, which is everyone's favorite. And the first ones to drop out of the beep test at about 40 to 50 seconds when you switch energy cycles was the worst behaved kids in the school. So I would teach them, this is what's happening and they become more resilient. When they're more resilient, they're, they're fitter, yeah, actually focus easily. better. Yeah. And, but they work better in the classroom. So I was like, all the data says it and, and everyone wants to stamp yeah. um, into school sport out of the schools. And it's like, guys, you're taking away these kids like chances in life. And it's pretty sad. So, so Matt, amongst all the, the chaos of work and whatever yep. else you were doing to buy time, can you, can you consider like 
your what was your best block of training or best um, sort of training week you could put together for us now uh, that you kind of got a roll on for for months or a year within that time, or if not into yeah, your yeah. third, and then and then compared to now as a father of a uh, of two kids um, and, and busy in both jobs, what your training week might look like now? Yeah, well, uh, it's uh, training week at the moment. So this is me trying to get fit. So um, I'm training six to 10 hours a week at the moment, focused on a sprint triathlon. So I have probably, I don't allow myself to do more than two hard sessions a week. So that might be an interval session uh, running wise and an interval session on the bike just because I find I don't recover. So all other sessions, it's, it's for me, it's just back to basics, your long, slow run, you've got your tempo run, and then you've got your interval session. Anything in between those key sessions is just a, uh, a recovery absorption type run or swim or bike. If I don't feel good off the run and I don't feel like I can run that day, I'll use the bike and I'll, I'll, I'll use the swim if I need to recover my legs totally and I'll, I'll go to gym every day as well so core chest back I do do all of that um, and lots of maintenance work so half an hour in the gym just about every day during the week uh, I'll swim or run at lunch times most days during the week and then my longer stuff is in the mornings during the week my weekends due to event work are out so I need to fit all my training into that five days, well, yeah. which is the hard part for me because then for everyone, their long run or the long bike ride is on the weekend and that's what the sessions that I'll miss most likely. Um, my biggest block, I actually got the fittest I've ever been was probably only two years ago. And yeah, right. I was yeah fourth in the time trial state championships Um down on the Gold Coast at Corumba, and it was a 78k time trial on the bike. So riding solo, and they had the teams coming through, and I was overtaking teams as a solo rider, averaged over 41k's an hour, and was just ripping in, so strong, so cut. And then I had some some swelling issues, which then led to deloading your training for for 12 months. And then with COVID, it meant that I had to get an operation to to fix things and that just meant deloading. Then you have three weeks, three months off recovery. And then I've spent 12 months just trying to get the body back to a part where it's nickel free. Uh, so I can train back to back again. So I'm, I'm at the nickel free part and I'm, I'm now starting to train back to back. So I'm excited about summer, longer days, less rain. Hopefully oh, it's for hot us. Too hot. Uh, I did good cans thing. So I prefer to be hot, <laughs> but um, I just, I just copped the spray because it's like, oh, you, you got no shirt on again. And it's like, mate, it's hot. Like, and I chafe. I'm white and freckly. Yeah. Hey, mate, that, um, that's, that's an impressive speed, 41K an hour for that distance. Were you, were you running and swimming fit at that time as well? Or was it a lot yeah, of bike super, work? No, super fit. And, and I, I'm my fittest when I'm cross training. So, and, and the happiest. Like for me, it's, I, I imagine if there's a zombie outbreak tomorrow, I can swim, bike and run my way out of, out of trouble. Yeah. Like that's, I just want to be fit. So if an event comes up and I go, oh, that sounds pretty cool, I'll enter that. So it might be a trail run or if a, a cycle event comes up, I can just go, oh, yeah, yeah, let's do it. And yeah. I don't care if I come last or in the middle. It's just that I, I don't break myself. Yeah, exactly. Hey, hey, what about nutrition then for these triathlons, for say the Olympic or yep. sprint distance? What are you What are you taking for them? And then what about uh, 
your running events, which probably in the last few years have been on the shorter end, hey, like sort of predominantly park runs and stuff. Yeah, so for well, I did a, a 25k trail run earlier this year. So, oh, okay. Um, yeah, it gave me six days of DOMS, like really wasn't yeah. ready for the, the skill <laughs> of running downhill. So it was, uh, what it was the Bolt, I think it was called. Um, Steve Jackson was the, the race director down there and very, very hilly, very tough. It was just up or it was down 900 meters up or it was down and it was sort of looping back and you had to repeat the, the hills. But I take infinite or, or a liquid form now and, and I'll take gels to supplement. So a gel every 20 minutes if I need it, but I definitely try to take stuff just in fluid form. So I'm taking on my electrolytes and also carbohydrates all in one mix uh, if I can. So Trail Brew does a great one. Um, infinite does a great one, but I always struggled with long course because I'd race so aggressively. I think I, I said like my second Ironman was just all vomiting everywhere. So what I always find is if my heart rate gets above 160 beats per minute, when I'm in that aerobic or trying to stick aerobic, my guts shut down and I always suffered of runner's belly as well. So the guts would shut down. And then if you put more in, I'd just vomit. And then the next thing you know, you're passed out on the side of the road. So that happened 5Ks into the marathon in Ironman Cairns. Uh, when I did it, got up, start walking because everyone says, yeah, you'll be right, mate. Here's a cup of water. And you know you're in a world of hurt when a, an old guy runs past you he's in his 80s and he was wearing Croc sandals and he was moving quicker than I could. So it's like, mate, get the nutrition right. So that's been a massive focus. So just, I can do electrolytes. I've got to train my guts to be able to absorb it. If I'm just out running like a training run, long, slow, one and a half, two hour, three, two and a half hour run. I'll just take, yeah, napalm um, from infinite is, is it's a like uh, liquid for, oh, it's powder form, but you can dilute it with the water. So I just take a shot of that and water if I need to sort of, absorb it a little bit more yeah okay it's never been into anything more significant in the longer stuff like uh, bars or anything like that uh i've taken bars but what i found was really hard to chew like saliva from your mouth is gone and or cycling even yeah it's really really tough to have so i always found yeah the sis gels were what i took for uh the marathon and probably it was a good indication. Like I just took them every 20 minutes and I was fine. And I'd done bugger all distance. Like my legs were gone at 25 K, but just defaulted to the pace and just the gels kept me going. So um, as a, as a person who hits the wall really hard, it's as long as you, I keep something in every 20 minutes, I'm all right. But I found my other thing is sweat test. Like I, I sweat 1.2 um, 1.2 liters an hour. So that's two bidens. So trying to, your body absorbs one bit in an hour. So just trying to flush enough in that you don't dehydrate and sort of lose too much weight. Hey, let's get into this announcing stuff, eh? Yep. Uh, mate, so I'm going to ask a question about if when people ask you what you do with this particular job, like how do you describe it in, in a few words when they ask you what you do? What do you say to them? Just rubbish talker. Like it's... <laughs> I don't know. The announcing side, it's one of those things. It's, it's my side hustle is probably the other thing I say these days. It's, it's a bit, bit of thing I do on the side. I just love doing it. It's not something that I want to be popular for or famous for. I don't 
don't want to yeah get get famous or, or do anything i don't want to travel the world with it i just love being at events uh and trying to enhance events as much as i can but i, I guess i just i'm a bit of a groupie a bit of a fan of everyone who's out there on the start line or competing it's just it's fun yeah, yeah so are you how's the employment works because you, you know you're calling uh, swimming events, riding events, running events, all them together, uh, e.g. triathlon uh, yeah. and various others. How does the employment work? Uh, as in, how do I get these events? Yeah, like are you are you a sole trader and they just employ you individually or is there a franchise that looks over a few of these events? No, yeah, it's just word, yeah, just word of mouth. Um, and the way I do it, like I, I don't, don't charge much. So it's seen as a hobby. So tax man, don't come after me. Or anything but i i don't yeah i i i cap my rates so that i'm affordable for trail runs and things so the the longer the event or the bigger the endurance event so like the a trail event might go for 16 to 24 hours where i'll be on the mic for 16 of those hours sort of thing so you've got to cap it because i've only got a finite number of athletes competing and i'd love to see the event go in a way that the athletes feel special or an add-on so they feel like the the rock stars that they they are so but for me it, it started off with one event Ironman Cairns where they stuck me in Port Douglas no one heard me except for the athletes who turned around up there uh, and then four years later a couple more events came on board and a, and a few more and then the Gold Coast Marathon and it sort of exploded for me to where I've worked Commonwealth Games with the the marathon called Kurt Fernley across the line in his final ever international event and was the announcer for the Queen's Baton Relay. So I traveled the whole of Australia for 75 days, talking to 3,800 bat bearers around every single little nook and cranny of the, of the country. So wow. it's pretty so cool. We, it's been a great adventure. Oh, definitely. Um, so if we backtrack a little bit to, to exactly why you started in the first place, and then who was the Joel Murray before Joel Murray? Who was the Joel Murray before Joel Murray? Who so, was doing yeah, your job? <laughs> Uh, th there's quite a few. So, um, yeah, you've got like Pat Carroll does a great job. He's, yeah, he's out yeah. there. So, um, Chappie, Brian Chapman does a fantastic job. So get to work with him as well. And he was the voice at a lot of events and triathlons and stuff. When I was a young guy, Noel Phillips is a, another one, great voice of triathlon for many, many years, um, with the QTS series he was and, and the Gold Coast Marathon got to work with him. Um, but yeah, there's been lots of guys. There's lots of guys have come and gone. I guess I'm, I'm, I probably model myself off more a, a Brian Chapman or Noel Phillips, where they just got in, did their thing, and, and got out. Like they're not household names that everyone knows. Like you know who they are if you're into the sport. You you loved being at the events that they were at. But um, yeah, they they don't try and, and chase podcasts or running their own podcast running their own youtube channels or they're not after anything it's just we do this as a as a side thing um and there's definitely a niche for it and yeah i'm always offering to mentor people where i can or give ideas let's i never got any feedback i guess it's a it's a very clicky world there's some very confident people in the space and there's some that don't want you taking their events so they're scared of you so it's yeah for me it's everyone's got a different style i love working with other people so it's yeah i'm not not too worried i just do what i do and hopefully people like me and if they don't i don't get 
the event again. So yeah, yeah, that's you move it. Move around. So, yeah, oh yeah. So what were you presenting exactly on your CV then to sell yourself right at the start? Like you, you were a teacher and then got into your other job. Like what um, were you saying that was um, in any way sellable as an announcer? And then also like, was there any training or any training being done along the way, or it's literally you started jumping up on that stage and calling races, learning for yourself? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty pretty much what the latter. Um, there's zero training, and as I was saying, like it's no one gives feedback. So if you're ever with a co-commentator, or um, if I ever find myself with someone, it's they don't want. They, they will tell you you did good. They don't know what it's. It's not a. It's not a course. It's not a. It's not media trained or anything where people will go. Oh, try this or do this. I've, got a great colleague in DJ Torley, Adam Thornley, who works on the Gold Coast Marathon with me. So he was my co-commentator this year. And he's probably been the best guy at giving feedback to myself because he's really about sports presentation. So he does a lot of work with the Gold, um, the Gold Coast Suns, does the, the ground announcing there, did the color run series. So he's a real good hype guy and probably the best when it comes to a DJ announcer. I'm not a DJ. So I'm different again. So for instance, Gold Coast Marathon, I'm seen as the expert. So he's the DJ hype guy. I throw to him to, to build the energy. And then I come in with the expert analysis of this is heart rates. This is what yeah. they're going through right now. So yeah. I'm just a, a guy who loves the, the teaching part comes through. So I come from an educational point um, to the, the start of your question. How do I sell myself? I don't sell myself. So all, all of my events come from people hearing me somewhere or someone has word of mouth. So I do over 20 events a year at the moment. That's all I want to really do. With COVID, um, everyone's on the first weekend or the last weekend of a month. So I've constantly got two or three bookings for one weekend where I've got to only pick one event. So that sort of culls what you're able to do. So I've got to it's sort of first in, first served with me. Or if you're an event director who's giving me multiple events, I'll be loyal to to that person to to enhance their product because I can do more. I can give them feedback on the first event I'm on for the year and then we can work on that and improve the product for the next event. So as, as, I'm sure you're the same. As, as a teacher, you're looking for details of how you can improve things. That's just how I am. So I... Training wise, have always just listened to people's YouTube, um, like their Instagram, if they've got a video of the finish line, and I go, Oh, yeah, I said that well. No, I didn't say that well. Or if there's any recordings, yeah. like the Gold Coast Marathon start line, I've been on that for um, since 2016. So you hear the audio in the background of the announcers. I listen to that, or the guy calling the finisher in, that's me. So I listen to that. Oh, did I call them in well? Did I? like set it up well and, and just try to go, oh, I sounded good today. No, I didn't. I could do this better. Oh, I said their name wrong. I feel really terrible about that, but I'm really hard on myself. I'm a, my biggest critic. Um, and, and yeah, I've learned so much about announcing, but my biggest thing and the thing I stay true to is that I just wish I was the athlete. So how would I like to be called in? How would I like my moment to be celebrated? So if I'm the guy in the back of the pack struggling, what 
what's going to enhance my dates like someone calling me out say smile or get me back in my happy zone so yeah everyone's pretty special out there i think everyone's got a great story as you've got the podcast sharing stories it's yeah it's a very solo pursuit. very cool um you know it's not not too dissimilar to me doing this i get a bit of feedback yep. here and there but not much a lot of my no. my feedback can... is wondering how it's gone and even listening myself but i was going to actually consider the question to you um similar to me that my wife often gives me feedback listening to the podcast does your partner claire at all get involved well she she would let me know if I did a bad job because I, on the drive home, because she races, so she would have been in the event. She would have been called across the line uh, and then sat in the grandstands waiting for me to finish with the last finisher. So she's there for all of it. And, and the kids are there. My kids are probably the most honest. They will tell me if I say something wrong, just like if you, you dress in a shirt they don't like, they let you know straight away. But they, they, yeah, they don't say too much, but I will constantly, oh, did I sound all right today? Did that come across all right? And they will give me feedback more on the event as a whole than specifically me. I think they still worry about hurting my feelings and, <laughs> and, and I'll probably sound good to them. But to me, I'm like, oh, I could have done that better. Like that presentation or the way I, I brought everyone's focus to a certain point, that could have been a bit better. So um, I guess... The biggest feedback I get is when an, an athlete or someone will come out of their way after everything's finished and everyone's packing up and they will go, I like the way you did this. That was really good. And I guess that then I make sure I do more of that. So I was at an ocean paddle event not long ago and there's a outrig canoeist and he came to me and said, oh, no one calls races like outrigger races like that. And I said, oh, I just called it like I do a running race. Like, because I talked about them coming in from the water oh, yeah. into the shore and then they run in. Whereas normally they just get their name as they cross the line. And I was like, no, no, it's like, it's amazing. Like the stroke rate of you guys and like the core strength and everything. Like I'm just in awe because I can't sit like that. Like I'd be cramping in my, like in my legs. Like it's just, it's phenomenal. So yeah, massive fan. And I just want to bring what I know about the sport to the people, but um, uh, yeah, it's, I've asked for feedback off guys before and I had one guy ask feedback off and he said to me, Oh, you should tell more stories. You should tell us how much the bikes cost. You should do these things. And I was like, I turned to my partner at the time and she said, but that's everything that you just did. So <laughs> it goes to show that they don't listen to you anyway. People just tune out and you've got to be really careful. And I've just found that the best feedback is if they rehire me, um, if they don't rehire me or don't put my name forward, then, well, I didn't, didn't hit it that day. Yeah. And the thing too is some of the events are so long, aren't they? You mentioned uh, up to 14 hours plus on an yeah. event. Like for me in a podcast, there'll be an hour or so and I can put it through a program and go through and edit it. I can even take things yeah. out if I, if I don't like it, but you're, on the stage live and uh, that feedback's coming intermittently through the athletes too. And I, I envisage that when, you know, when they're on the microphone, it's, it's pretty quick. Uh, they walk off and that's it. So feedback around like informal feedback around and off the microphone would be pretty rare too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess the biggest skill like uh, uh, is reading, reading the crowd, You've got to read the room. So while I'm talking, I very like I will slot in jokes all all day, 
and you can tell if people are listening because they'll laugh and they'll turn to their mates and they'll laugh. So that's where I get it. Or you'll see the expression on the athlete's face. So I'm getting instant feedback all day. And, and you know, if you're doing a good job because you can see it, whereas a podcast, you're getting no feedback. You, you just, you're talking to me and that, that's it. I did a, a live stream with the Queensland Girls Secondary School Sports Association. So they, I do the swimming championships and their athletics track and field championships. That was seven hours of talking. They've got a camera on you. That's more stressful to me because you don't know. And then yeah. you go home yeah. and, and you listen to it and you go, oh no, I wish I could edit that. It's like, why did I say that? So that's more daunting to me than on site where I'm getting, you're talking to the crowd, you're interacting with the crowd, like it's instant. And I love that energy. I love people. It's, it, it's good. Oh, it's excellent. I was just thinking too, like you mentioned the Commonwealth Games there, you've, you, you announced that if you were to sort of, go from the top in terms of the bigger events and just give us an idea of some events around Brisbane and Queensland that you've actually announced uh, in particularly running as well. Would you have an idea of everything? How much would you actually remember? Uh, lots of it becomes a blur, uh, and, but there's memories that stick with you and, and ones that are really special. There's moments where you will cry. No one will know that I'm like, there's a tear, but there are just about every event I'll work on there. There'll be a moment where it's just a child will be there waiting for his mum, and they will just embrace the kids. And I think as a parent, it's those moments. I was going to think as a dad, they, parent, they, and they then trigger me. Yeah. Oh yeah. They, they trigger me. So there, there's those times, but I guess Queens Baton Relay, there was a stage where every single day there was a story about someone there was, um, there was a, a girl who had cancer and she fundraised over a quarter of a million dollars for other kids with cancer. Didn't take a cent for herself. And while you're reading out the script of what she's accomplished and then you see the person in front of you, you just, you cry and everyone around you cries. And there was a moment, I think we were on Kangaroo Island down in South Australia and this guy was coming through and there was all these school kids out there with a sign and then I go David or go Jack and they're cheering for him. And I read out his story. He wasn't from Kangaroo Island. These kids didn't know who he was, but they all embraced him and they all came and walked with him with the, the Queen's baton. And it was a moment where there was not a single person in the back of um, the convoy that wasn't crying because it was just one of those Jeez. really moving moments. And those moments of happiness are great, but those moments when you're that connected that you actually tear up are the moments that probably stick with me the most. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, those ones are, there was Gary Larson, who's a Queensland legend in, in rugby league. And he was walking down the hill and I was reading the script to him and said a few things off script and it connected with him and he started to tear up. And that was when, you know, you're doing a really good job because what you're saying has brought everyone into the story and that's what it's about being an MC. It's just, you're sharing someone's story. You're just the, the little instrument to do that. And you're connecting people and you see everyone react with either a cheer or a tear or, or whatever it is. But um, yeah, that that's probably the stuff that stands out for me. I was going to ask too, is there ever, or has there been a, a point or two where you've seen someone come in during an event like finishing 
who you've known for some reason who was like famous in some way, but you had no idea it was coming. And in your mind, you're thinking, oh my goodness, why are they here? And how, how awesome is this? They've, they've just finished a race because you hadn't realized they're an athlete in any way and, um, and, and just got straight into questioning randomly? Uh, I think it's, that happens all the time for me. So yeah. event directors are really busy. They're super busy people. So um, most of the events I work on, you won't, I won't know who's competing. Like Gold Coast Marathon, I'll get the pro list and that's it. Yeah. And there's a heap of celebrities that come through in the Gold Coast Marathon. Like there's heaps. Chappelle Corby was coming through and like everyone loves Chappelle and, and stuff. And you just, you're in awe of everyone. Like I, I think for me, the, the weirdest moments are when you, you're talking to someone and there's Steve Monaghetti, who I just idolized as a kid. Remember watching him, Sydney 2000, doing his training runs at Nudgee College. And I was there with my sister and just going, oh, it's Steve Monaghetti. And now these days um, I get to chat to Steve mm. and, and he'll talk to me. And I remember one day he said, oh, yeah, they're not runners like us, Joel. And I was like, I'm not the runner, Steve. Like, you guys are phenomenal. He's still running 32 minutes for a 50 plus year old, like just amazing guys or Rob DeCostella or you talking to um, yeah, Mark Beretta, who I think is a phenomenal MC, get to work with him on Run Army uh, in Brizzy. And I think, yeah, Susie O'Neill thought I was an athlete when I ran into her at Hamo Island, but it's just, you, they've seen me before and different things and they think they you're the athlete. And I was like, no, 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 I was the, the MC, but yeah, yeah, I've met a lot of people. I've met Ian Thorpe, like Kathy Freeman, Dawn Fraser, like it's the list goes on where you just go, wow. Um, I, I remember first ever Noosa, walk to the beach, Kathy Freeman's there. So I said hello to her and having a chat. And then uh, Emma Carney walks over, a legend of the triathlon world, two time world champ. So she's talking to Kathy Freeman, who are two ladies I idolized. And then Dawn Fraser comes over and I go, wow, I just want to take a photo of this moment in my head and never let it go yeah. away. But yeah. three legends of running, track and field, triathlon and swimming all in one spot. And, and uh, here I am stuck in the middle. Um, and it was great. Kathy Freeman rocked up late for the morning and Dawn Fraser was giving it to her. <laughs> and, and, and there I am <laughs> spectating it, just going, wow. So um, yeah, it's, it's, I've met a lot of people and there's times where you go, wow. And yeah, it's some of it's just a blur though. Like over 200 events, it goes pretty quick over a decade. Oh, so. for sure. And what about yeah. um, contrary to the, to the really good moments, what about like, what do you find in any way challenging? Like did this whole thing to you come very naturally? Like for me, even I, I'm a teacher now, but as a kid, I couldn't stand in front of a class to present an English oral uh, to students and now I'm teaching and running a podcast for example so for me at times it's being in front of an audience uh, that can get me a little bit nervous is that in any way for you ever been an issue or something you need to to develop or is there any other challenges in your job or even a moment uh, of difficulty that you recall that you, you stuffed up or anything like that oh definitely yeah heaps heaps of moments um, I, I guess for me I get super nervous when I'm talking in front of peers. If I'm talking in front of a crowd of strangers, it's okay. Um, but at the start, I used to go to the toilet six times. It was, it was terrible. It was so bad. It's, 
even before I started teaching, like I would, I was so nervous on my prac as a teacher in talking in front of people. Like I liked attention, but I didn't, I still got really, really nervous when everyone was focused on you. I like to be the class clown in the back that would throw a few lines and, and that was <laughs> <Disappear>. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You smoke bomb and get out of that room. But I, I ended up, I went to karaoke every Tuesday night. Can't sing, but the guys loved that I couldn't sing. So that always put me up on stage, uh, jump my song to the top of the queue, but I would get absolutely blotto. So many sherbets under the belt before I'd get up and, by the end, I realized that everyone thought you were so drunk to get up there on stage that I'd go sober and I would just sing and I was terrible, but you just didn't, I didn't care. It was okay. And I guess when I jumped on the mic, you, I have a persona, you, there's announcer Joel and I change my voice slightly when I'm announcing. And then there's Joel Murray, who's at home with his kids and everything else. And the two different people. So yeah, when I'm announcing an event, you'll hear a different voice. And when you talk to me off the mic, you'll hear who is speaking to you today. So I buffer my personal self from if they criticize the mic work, they're criticizing my character. If they're criticizing me personally, that's, that's a different thing, but they don't know me. So, and that's, that's why I don't crave to be famous or anything. It's, Hopefully it's just that voice that's comforting the people and I go, oh, okay, this will be a good event today. I was just thinking uh, earlier too about particular events. I ran past the, was it the army run in Brisbane there? Yeah, uh, run around army. the back of that and, and heard you there. Have you called like Bridge to Brisbane, or Jetty to Jetty and these local runs around the area? What, a twilight run? Yeah, yeah. What else Sorry, that was a question before. So I've done yeah, yeah. Yeah, twi- twilight runs, Brisbane marathon. Um, yeah, Jetty to Jetty, run army was in Brizzy, uh, Phil Hungerford's events. I'm always on those. So that's, he does a, a Queensland half marathon out at Bracken Ridge. So go and float out there for those. Um, yeah. And then Sunshine Coast, I've done a few. So worked on Ironman Sunshine Coast. World Champs was in 2016 where the Aussies came home for the win. The Noosa Bolts series of, been on that the runaway noosa weekends when it was the winter fest was on all of that so um yeah and now i i go out west as well so i am on hell of the west at, in harvey bay but then people there saw me so then i go to the yapoon running festival and yeah. people there saw me so i go to beela wheeler now and um also i've got hell of the west which is gun to windy go out there and then from Gundawindi, St. George has invited me to go and MC their triathlon. So it's all word of mouth and people see you at different things. I guess the ones I'm real passionate about is the Met North Track and Field Championships. I've been on that for a decade now. Um, that was sort of one of the first events when I came down. And, and from that, you've got um, the state triathlon championships in Harvey Bay. I'm always on that. It was just on nationals this year in Harvey Bay. So yeah, lots of events. Tui Trail runs another one, Griffith University that's coming up again. So um, there's not too many I haven't been on and they all fall on top of each other. Toowoomba's got run the range. They've got ride the range coming up. So that's one where I've got to make some choices because everything's on top. The Noosa Ultra Trail is another one. That's a, a growing event in March. So yeah, Coastal High 50 down on the Gold Coast is a trail run that I was on. 
um, right through. So, but now everything's clashing. So reason I'm not on events is because nothing measures up or the travel. I don't want to go into state at the moment. I want to stay in Queensland. And for me, it's the, the trips with the family. So I want the kids to see more of Queensland. So if I can take them, we go and do it. But, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. That was actually my next question about what was coming up this year, but I think you've listed all of them. Uh, I've got there. a few, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the cycling stuff. I've got the, yeah. the Brisbane to Gold Coast coming up, the uh, Pain and Paradise, the Hundy for the triathlon stuff in Harvey Bay is coming up. What else have we got? The Tui Trail Run. Um, and there was one or two others. I, I think I had five more events for to see out the year and then December I, I don't want to do anything oh Bribey Tri-Series another one of my my favorites it's old school triathlon um yeah I love it because it was one of my first ever events and it's got a current assisted swim so it's built for us guys the, but, the Bribey Tri yeah and and the great thing about the Bribey Tri is Phil Hungerford was one of my first ever running coaches he always ran yeah. on Wednesday run so I ran with him many many years ago when I was a teenager so now I I get to work with Phil um and he was my predecessor on the the start line for the gold coast marathon so have taken over from phil and hopefully do him proud there and but his triathlons just old school there's always like we had josh and Berger come and ashley gentle were the last winners there but we've also always got com games representatives and stuff that come do their craft and then they go to noosa and win there as well so anyone who podiums at Bribey will go and do really well across the summer we find so it's a it's a good little underground racing that happens I did actually race a Bribey triathlon a few years ago uh I didn't finish it I fell off my bike so my tip to anyone doing it is um if you haven't yeah yeah if you haven't done roundabouts get on a roundabout and practice it uh you definitely need to slow down around a roundabout which I didn't do and fell off and dislocated my pinky finger which was out of place for about two hours until I got to the hospital, local hospital. And uh, yeah, hadn't finished it. So I'd love to go back there at some point, but I do know it's very technical on the bike. Yeah, very technical, great swim, very technical on the bike. And then um, the run is on the foreshore, one of the prettiest triathlon short course runs you'll get. Is that 5K? That don't get much better. It is actually, <laughs> it's always long with Phil. Phil's old oh, school good. event where it will be slightly longer. Yeah. It's never shorter. Excellent. So, hey, yeah. let's get into some listener questions. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so I threw this up on Instagram, which I often do. I've got three questions this morning. This was a Monday morning. I was throwing these up. So I forgive uh, your list being a bit shorter than others due to the fact that probably the busiest working day of the week on a Monday. So first one's from a guy called Zacho Woodward. Do you know who that is? I possibly have met Zacho, but <laughs> I, I didn't search his Instagram. I did. He was on private, so I didn't find much out about him. But he's asked yep. you about your if you were to pick the favorite your favorite finish line moment of all time that comes to your head first or very quickly. What can you think of? Uh, I probably I probably should say Com Games calling across, but I'd have to say calling Kenneth Mangara across oh, the finish yes. line of the Gold, Gold Coast. Coast Marathon. First time I, I called home first mail was. One of those hair raising that that is one of the best finish lines you'll find in australia if not the southern hemisphere it's just that blue carpet something special sprint finish always oh definitely hey uh jake townsend previous guest has got a question for you he's asked you um what's the number one thing that drew you to be a race announcer if you can think of one thing uh so 
the reason I actually got stuck into it, I, I broke my collarbone, so I couldn't do the Ironman cans uh, and like do it again. I did terrible the year before. I wanted to do it, so uh, getting spotted, and then it's just I I love telling someone else's story or making that moment special for someone. That's what it's all about for me. Seeing a reaction from the person finishing is something special. Yeah, perfect. I thought you'd answer like that, similar to how you were talking about it before. Brandon Demers or Demers, um, he's asking for your favourite call of all time. So I gather that's like if you were to pick one event, would it be the Com Games or another event that, that stood out for you as a one-off? Uh, probably... Probably the Gold Coast Marathon is the one event that really stands out to me just because like Madison De Rosario's, you're interviewing her post her win and stuff. And those guys are so inspiring. Kurt Fernley was probably one of the ones where I said a, a time wrong and he's like, no, it's not. It's this. He smashed a record and I got, I got the records wrong or something. But those moments are something special where you aspire to meet these people and then you meet them and I'm just, I'm a little fan. I'm just like, wow, guys, it's that, that it's cool. But um, a very special moment on the mic that I'll never forget though. Kate Campbell ran up onto the stage on the Gold Coast and I was on main beach Gold Coast. You're yelling out like, here comes Kate Campbell, but your voice is echoing off the Q1 back to you. So there's a five second delay or so. And just the amount of people down on the beach and interviewing Kate. And then last year, I got to meet her again at um, the Hamo Try. And you just, those moments where you bond with some of the best in, in the world and it's like, wow, this is unreal. What am I doing here? Or Jeff Horn ran onto stage in Brisbane and you can't hear yourself yell. It's, it's amazing. So it's definitely, the adrenaline goes really high. You don't sleep after those ones. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. Hey, yeah. mates, I've got nine questions here for you. Uh, yep. If you can answer them at all in sort of one word to one sentence or two, then uh, you're doing pretty well. And, and uh, that'd be the idea because there's nine of them. Especially for me because I talk uh, so much. I've actually got, an, I've got a nine-minute timer counting down on Zoom. <laughs> all right. Okay. If you were to pick out of swimming, running, riding, the, the legs of, of swim, run, and ride, what's your, what's your favorite sport out of those three on a oh, running 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 right no it's it's the most natural and it's the one where you can go for 20 minutes or 15 minutes so i ran around um torres Strait islands i had 15 minutes break for the day ran around and a kid knew who i was and this is in thursday island like it never been there so running something special brings everyone together great good start joel uh favorite brisbane north side running loop would it be somewhere near the jim Sawley bikeway uh, I'd probably have to say down towards the river. I do a run with Matty Hopper, who great triathlete back in the day, but still super fit. And we run along the river and down towards uh, past Eat Street, do a loop down there. And there's a few hills at the top end through Clayfield. So it's probably my favourite. I love it when it's mixed up between hills and flats. Uh, favourite event to call? I think the Com uh, Commonwealth Games, the uh, Gold Coast Marathon each year is is would be your favourite. Would that be right? Uh, for spectacle, that would be my favourite. But when it comes to the people, probably have to go close to Hell of the West. It's one of the best community yeah, right. races in, in Australia. Like, it's unreal. Okay, current running shoes. I believe you're a Mizuno man. Yeah, Mizuno ambassador. So I have to sport them. So I uh, love the uh, rebellions for the short stuff. So going for the intervals. But the Wave Sky 06 is my favourite because I try to get up on the toes. But... Maximum cushioning, 
nice soft on the knees and the ankles as well. So speeds up recovery. It's very good. Okay, favourite park run? Would you pick Kedron or something out of the local area? Uh, I'd probably go to Shawncliffe or Sandgate. Yeah. It's probably it's flat, fast and a bit technical as well. Getting out on the, the pier is it's very hard to keep that third K up. Yep. It's always my slowest. Beautiful on a, on a sunrise too on the water there. Yep. Uh, highest profile runner you've ever interviewed? Have they been mentioned yet in this interview? Uh, probably Kenneth Mangara, I love. The, the running barber three-time winner of the Gold Coast Marathon. But I guess when you look at Australia running, there's not too many I haven't interviewed at the top of Australia. Like Rob DiCostella is one of the legends. Benita Willis uh, is amazing. So current ones, though, I've interviewed most of them. Yeah, Brett, Brett Robinson, Jack Rayner, these yep. guys come Brett to mind. Brett Robinson, yep. yep. He won the half marathon this year. So yep. got to interview Brett. Also interviewed him after the Asics Bolt in 2016 so yeah met, met those guys a few times fantastic hey uh away from that though who's your favorite professional runner uh i love the ones that run with heart and a bit of grit like liam adams i can't go past yeah. him yeah somebody who works full time and spray paints his shoes black and gets out there <laughs> rocking the tradie do like i probably love that more than kipper g who just glides like it i love the battler I, I love an underdog great hey last question and and uh a bit of a license to talk a bit longer if you like i'm, I'm sure you'll have a, a reasonable answer being the guy who's often at these events how, how do you think fun runs and events can actually improve in terms of participation and engagement within them uh thinking about the it, it depends like i'm always an advocate for the the athlete i think we should be adding value to the athlete all the time. And this is where I cop it off event directors a little bit because my feedback will always be about how can we make the atmosphere better for the spectators so that you guys get bigger cheers when you come across the line. How can we make it better but not costing lots of money? Um, I don't like VIP tents. I think that's all you're spending sponsorship dollars on the sponsors that give it to you. So I would rather see that sort of money going to the athletes. So focus on the athletes, a take home, making that special for them, giving them the opportunities um, to have a moment or getting their families more involved where there's special spots for them and stuff. So uh, I think like Jetty the Jetty does a, has done a great job with Bare Bones Budget. They've grown their event really, really well. And it's just that community stuff, I think. Um, yeah, and, and trying not to spend so much on VIPs, but everybody's a VIP to me. Like, it doesn't matter what your time goal is. Everyone who pays entry is a VIP, I reckon, in my word. Like, that, that's how I look at it anyway. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Hey, uh, that was our last question there, Joel. So I appreciate your yep. time coming on here. It's uh, probably, probably, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But it's probably a rare thing for you to be in this situation to be, uh, interviewed for a reasonable period of time and sit down like this, uh, being the, the the man behind the microphone and uh, obviously getting recognised, but at times people thinking, well, who on earth is that guy up there? What's his name? What's his background? So I think like your insight into your career as an announcer uh, for starters is, is really insightful. And then what we can learn through you and you've learned through the athletes themselves as well is, uh, is definitely valuable. And there'll be a few takeaways from a number of hopefully uh, now a bit of a change of following, maybe some triathletes or cyclists tuning in. 
Yeah, and I guess the, the biggest thing is that one question I do get asked a lot is how do you get into it, uh, into the announcing stuff? And really, it's, it's be prepared to volunteer, be prepared to be the first person on site. I'm always there before the athletes and, and they're in the dark, like, uh, and prepared to be the last. And it's, it's not going to make you rich. So it's got to be because you love it, just like you teach because you love your students. It's not to be rich. So, um, but yeah, if that's, that's something that you want to get into, it's yeah. Drop us a line on, on Instagram or something, slide in my DMS and yeah, try and help you out. Yeah. So you do a bit of training and coaching for, for potential announcers, don't you? Yeah, I look forward to opportunities. Um, probably Athletics Queensland is probably the best one where they'll have an open mic. So you can go out there on a Friday night and you can jump on the microphone and you can practice your craft. So uh, if that's something that you you want some feedback on, let us know when you're out there or preparing to go out there and I'll definitely come out there and give you some feedback and some pointers on how you can improve what you're saying. And you always have these fallback lines that are generic across all events. So trying to develop lines that sort of help you so you're always in your comfort zone yeah excellent i was going to say too if you've made it this far in the interview as a listener then obviously yeah, you've, you've well. enjoyed it for, for some reason uh whether that's through my words or joel's probably joel's more than mine but uh uh hopefully you can give him some feedback out of events and yeah. uh and say g'day <laughs> maybe not too much feedback so he can actually do do his job but uh i'm sure that you'd, you'd appreciate that yeah, and always just give give me a wave, guys. It's uh, I'm pretty busy because <laughs> I do want to I do want to call every single person across the line. So I do find it hard to chat to people at events. But yeah, stick around and yeah, say good day. Oh, I'm glad I found you on the middle of a Monday on the school holidays when we can yeah. sit down for an hour or so. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm sure I'll oh, I can promise you now I won't sit you down for an hour halfway through uh, calling one of those major events. So uh, yeah, much appreciated. Awesome. Thanks, Ollie, mate. And I'll catch up with you soon. We'll no dramas. Park runs. Yes, Kedron Park runs. See you there.